Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Sheologians. We are here today to put the her in cabin fever. Oh, because I've been watching that show. Right. The Terror AMC. Y'all should watch it. Um, my name is Summer and I'm here with my beautiful co-host Joy. And Joy, I want you to know mm-hmm. that I know that if you were a Disney villain, you would definitely be Cruella DeVille. Oh, <laughs> I got really excited because I was like, "Who am I?" Gorilla Develop. Tell me who I am. Because Why am I her? well, number Doesn't one, she make a coat of puppies, but she loves animals. <laughs> but like, so like, if your love for animals was like, then you were instead of being. The- Sometimes when I see a really cute animal, I do think to myself, like, I wish. I oh, could wear I just want to like wear its skin. Well, you're not a villain, <laughs> but if you were a villain, I think obsessed with animals, right? Great sense of style, smokes a long cigarette, <laughs> funky hair, Just kidding. funky I don't hair. Smoke. <laughs> I was like, people are gonna get that. Oh, okay, we got it. I don't. I never know. Correct. Got to correct it. <laughs> funky hair. Uh huh. She has a great sense of like she's known for her sense of style and right. that she's like artistic and she's into animals, but it's all like bad. Right. But like you're not a villain. Right. Like so if, if I was a villain exactly. and you like flipped everything, turned it on thing, his head. Okay. I feel like Cruella Deville would All right. be. That's you. I appreciate that defense. I haven't had a lot of time to, think to like about, soak it in. Yeah. But I appreciate your defense of it. And yeah. She's very. It's being considered. Yeah. No, I think you should be like. That's awesome. I'm Thank super you. young. <laughs> She's super old. Everything opposite. I right. You don't dye your hair half black and half white. Right. I do half. Half. But the other way. Right. It's hard to Opposite. say on a podcast. See? You guys. You're welcome. <laughs> what noise did I make when you said that? Um. You, you made that your face was better than anything, but no one's going to get to appreciate right. it. Sorry. There are some things we keep just for ourselves. But um, <laughs> you're right. I am Joy. Mm-hmm. And I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Summer. And Summer, I just want you to know that if you were ever in a car accident and I was in Ireland and I was halfway through reading your post, my first thought would be, am I supposed to be getting on a plane now? (laughs) How fast do I need to get on this plane? Luckily, that thought was very, uh, it was pretty, it was a pretty quick thought because I finished your post and I was like, okay. She's, she's all like, right. She's fine. There was a part of me that was like, okay, is anyone booking flights right now? <laughs> I wish I could tell you guys more, but my lawyer said I can't. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I was in a horrific car accident. Yeah. And it was awful. And it was a terrible experience. And one day I'll talk about it. But, you know, the moral of the story is that God is good. So very true the moral of every story yeah honestly <laughs> if you just want to come right now right. do it if you just really want to <laughs> simplify that yes and there i'm here go. and it's fine and um tell us a little bit about ireland because i feel like 
What is one thing about Ireland that shocked you the most? And number two, why were you in Ireland? Can I answer number two first? Uh, <laughs> if you want to be contrarian. Uh, it's opposite day, I guess. Uh. So I was in Ireland um, working for End Abortion Now mm-hmm. and holding a camera and doing stuff. And <laughs> we were there because I think... I think the the simplest way of saying that we were there is that we there were groups of people there that um that we met the last few times that people have been people from our team have been in Ireland um so there were a lot of people there that are just wanting to get information on how to start abortion ministry yeah um because the abortion's not illegal or it's illegal oh yeah tell us a little bit about what's going on there politically around that so they are attempting to make a referendum to their eighth amendment which essentially says women can like that it unequal like it says it takes away the equality of mother and child so that amendment presses that principle which is that mother and child are equal Okay. And they are trying to create a referendum that says that's not the case. So because that right abortion now, would be legal. Right. Okay. Um, right now, women who get abortions get on a boat and travel to England to get wow. an abortion wow. or wherever they travel. But yeah. that's the most common place. Because it's not legal. So you it. cannot, you can't get an abortion in Ireland. In Ireland. Um, Praise God for that. Right. So... That's why we're there. There's a lot of people that are trying to get ahead of this before it any changes are made. Um, that's really why we were there. Do we you were think there to meet with happen? people like, and just from being there and the climate and what do you so think is going to happen? This actually leads to what surprised me the most. Oh. It was really weird to see so many pro-life people. Okay, um, like generally here in the states, if you see a bunch of people marching down a street with signs. Yeah. They're going to say, that's right. I can kill my baby. Like they're yeah. going to be pro-choice. Yes. That's just, that's how it is. How it is here. Yep. Um, so that was not the case. We got to attend a march that, I mean, their, their, their whole tagline is save the eighth. Um, so they're trying to uphold that amendment. Um, and, not only were there a lot of people there mm-hmm. holding pro-life signs, um, but there's a lot of diversity okay. in the pro-life community out there, which meaning. So for me, the biggest one is feminists that are pro-life. Um, okay. And I don't know what the frequency of that is, but so I think it's worth, of course, taking into consideration that Ireland has an incredibly long religious yeah historical culture yes like they 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 have been heavily influenced yeah. by of course the Catholic catholicism yeah. and then like there there has been a a lot of historical religious things have happened in yeah. ireland yeah <laughs> um, yeah aren't we close to saint patrick's day we had passed okay i don't know March 17th. Oh, right. That was after the accident. So right. I I lost that week, actually. <laughs> right. I don't remember it. It was, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, what year so, is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but so uh yeah so it's i think that was the most interesting thing to me was that um people who would say that they're not religious in any way that they're atheists or agnostic um they there is like a they're still pro-life right there is an it's it is an environment where Hmm. you can be those things and still be pro-life here like i would of course this is not a perfect science please take this with a grain of salt write us a letter you could say i'm a feminist i'm an atheist and I probably wouldn't have to guess how you feel about abortion here. Correct. And in, in the States. There are, of yeah. course, yeah. exceptions yeah. to that. Minor. But small, for, the, small for the most part, that's going to be the case. And I don't necessarily know. Maybe that is the case over in Ireland. But they at their rally, so like when the march ended, they had a few speakers. One of them was said she was a feminist. She had them announce her that way. Okay. Um, and... Obviously, that's very problematic. I tried to talk to a few people in Ireland about it, and they didn't seem to think it was as problematic so as I did. Yeah. Um, but the message that the that the feminist speaker was essentially that, like, we cannot allow women to continue to be degraded mm. by encouraging them to kill their children. We need to Correct. empower women. Yeah. To be mothers and yeah. and value and strength comes from women still. Wow. So they really have. Um, wow. That's so different. That's yeah. so radically different. Yeah. Than what we. That's so different. Right. Um, and I just. Yeah. I was really surprised by that. Yeah. Um, I talked to a girl like and the thing is, is the, the unfortunate thing is that it's not it's not the gospel and it's not mm-hmm. it doesn't really address what's going on. Right. Um, it's not the. From what I heard mm-hmm. from those groups, mm-hmm. um, it's not calling it murder. Okay, it's claiming that the mother is unaware. Mm. She's she's not educated about what's happening inside mm. of her body, that kind of thing. Um, so, I just I that was I mean I think your question was like most surprising. Mm-hmm. That that really was very interesting and surprising to me. That's a huge cultural difference. Oh yeah everything that we know over yeah. here that's crazy yeah yeah they actually called they, they i'm assuming they even paid her yeah she may have been paid a feminist may have been paid to speak at a pro-life, a pro-life march yeah yeah it's interesting that is interesting yeah and i saw feminist signs and it was all of course again rooted in like the strength of female but <laughs> Interesting. You know, it was weird. Yeah. But yeah. Did you find any vegetarian food while you were there? Oh, yeah. They have a lot of vegetarian food. What is it, though? What's, is it just potatoes? No. Okay. I actually, at one point, I had um, a lentil cottage pie, which was delicious. What is a cottage pie? It's kind of like a shepherd's pie. Oh, okay. Um, I also had this amazing... So, you guys know how I feel about goat cheese. Yeah, goat cheese and is your jam. They have a lot of goat cheese over there. Oh, interesting. I got people this, over here by and large are like weird Ew, about it, but goat it's cheese. so delicious. Yeah. So, and I also had this piece. It was just like this massive piece of bread with goat cheese, <laughs> like like a cup of goat cheese yes. baked into the top of it. Oh, that sounds amazing. And like all these yummy little salads, which for them that's not like it's not a sal- like a Caesar salad as you would think yeah. when I say salad. Yeah. They they include salad like 
potato salads and pasta salads and that kind of so they have lots of little like couscous salads and things with it but interesting i found a lot of i didn't have a problem eating over there interesting and i really enjoyed it i heard that some people are surprised by how different food is over there Uh from the states but we're so like um american centric i mean i think all of us whatever country you've you know been born and grew up in that's the country you know well and if you even if you think about just like the exposure of culture and Mm -hmm. people and accent Mm -hmm. and food like the whole world is heavily exposed to american culture right but not necessarily vice versa right exactly so they're like used to our accents and people are like how did you say that word what does that mean (laughs) you know like did you have to repeat yourself Oh, goodness. They think we have an accent. That's right. No, I mean, they but they have it down like we they, they can know do what we're saying. Oh, I can't do an Irish accent to save my life. I'm fairly good at accents. I'm but horrible. I, it's a very private. No. Hobby. Yeah. Whenever. Oh, OK. You have to, you'll have to. I want to hear that later when we're not recording. I'm all right at accents. I should say I'm not like. Oh, my goodness. I'm the worst. voice over talent. Level. I cannot do it. But. In my defense, at least I know I can't do it. The worst thing is when someone can't do accents and they think they, they can. Try. It's like you have to stop because I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed <laughs> listening to you. I'm like embarrassed you, for you. You have to stop. You know what I mean? Like, no, 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 no. Like, no, know your limits. Know the things you can and can't do. Right. I ain't trying to do physics because right. I know I can't do it. And it would be embarrassing if I tried. If you do accents and you look around while you're doing an accent and everyone looks like they're like eyeballs are about to explode out of their head (laughs) then you're bad at accents yeah just stop doing it you have to stop (laughs) everyone's embarrassed for you right now and that's the worst feeling in the world i i would prefer to be embarrassed for myself than embarrassed for somebody else yes right it's the worst it's It's so much worse i would rather trip and fall myself right although i love watching people fall never mind is the worst when someone else is embarrassed for you is that the worst? No. When someone else is embarrassed for me and you don't I'm, have to feel it, I'm fine <laughs> and they shouldn't be embarrassed and they're being stupid, then that's fine. Okay. I think the worst is if someone is embarrassed by something stupid I said. And then you have that like, <laughs> they're embarrassed because of what I did. And you can like and sense you know it, it and you're like, oh, oh, I did the worst thing. I embarrassed you. <laughs> That's how normally that's I'm, I'm kind of just like, well, you know what? If I'm embarrassing, then just why are you in my life? It's <laughs> kind of like how I go with it. Like if I embarrass you so bad, just why don't you leave? Right. Which I don't know if that's the right answer Look, or not. I like doing accents. <laughs> I do not like doing accents. <laughs> so anyway, today we have with us our friend Zach. And you might have heard of him because he is the Zachary Conover with right. abortion now. Mm-hmm. If you haven't, get with it. Zach, I'm sorry we forced you to do this. No. I'm really yeah. not. I'm not sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry to be here. So that makes two of us. Yay. <laughs> it was a little last minute, but I think we all agreed Zach is the best to interview. Yes, he is the today. person to have this discussion with. So well, you're too kind. I love you all. Thanks for having me. Well, and also just so y'all know that... Um, your wife is like our favorite person, yeah. one of our favorite ladies of all time. And I cannot wait to see what your new baby looks I know. like. Oh, me too. I'm just... so excited. I know. We're overjoyed. And, you know, she loves you guys more than life, too, I would say. <laughs> what, what, what do you guys say? How do you guys talk about it? You're, you're, you're her spirit animal or something <laughs> oh, like yeah. that? I think yeah. one time we said, <laughs> we were like, when we try to do something, 
that's stylish and cool. Yeah. yeah. We're like, what would Taryn what do would when Taryn she do? was trying to do this? Yeah, like if she was trying to do this makeup look, yeah. what would she do? Taryn is mm-hmm. the most skilled makeup artist. And whenever, I mean, ev- because of that, every morning when I put makeup, every time I put makeup on, I think about Taryn. Yeah, me too. And I'm like, if she was here, she could fix this thing. Yeah. This thing be that so I'm much doing. Better. It'd be so much better if Taryn was here. <laughs> or she'd just be like, oh, no. Oh, no, oh. honey. Taryn, Taryn had to explain to me that you get beauty blenders wet. <laughs> I mean, okay. Anyway, and I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> That's but good. That's I know good. that she's artsy, and I love her for it. So it's all good. Okay, Zach, tell us what you do for End Abortion Now. So I'm the director of communications for End Abortion Now, which is just a generic way of saying that I coordinate and communicate with all of the churches that are partnered with our movement. So we have um, a movement of goodness. I mean, 250 churches right now that are bringing the gospel specifically into the area of abortion. So they go to the places where it's actually happening. Right. And they try to help women. Um, You know, obviously we bring our literature, our resources there, and we preach the gospel and we plead with moms and dads not to go in and um, try to reach them even after they come out. So what I do is basically just make sure all of the churches partnered with us have their materials, um, ship those out. Um, I'm at the mill multiple days per week here, the abortion What's the clinic. Mill? Okay. So abortion mill, it's referred to as the mill because um, like a sawmill or um, you know any kind of a mill that churns out a product, that's what an abortion clinic is. They're churning out, unfortunately, dead children at a very high rate, Planned Parenthood alone murders about a thousand children a day but about three thousand babies die every day in our nation which can't even be understood Mm -hmm. or quantified um if we were to to think about it but that's why we call it an abortion mill because that's what they do it's a factory that turns out dead children so so my role um as an extension of apologia church and studios with end abortion now is to equip churches um go to the mill and then also i create content here for the studio with a This Is Why platform, uh, This Is Your Baby, um, which I'm very, very excited about. Um, this Is Why is so excellent. Good. Yes. If you are looking for resources, things yeah. to equip you, yeah. um, it's just Zach sitting yeah. in a room <laughs> and he just talks simple. about, he just answers common objections and he, I mean, honestly, he, he puts a time and energy and he's very faithful about this is why so if you watch this is why it's not going to be just like something that someone threw together like you're going to get a lot of information from it for sure and that's that's what this is why the thing is i think a lot of people watch that and it's such a um another side of a coin to the what's popular within the pro-life community you know they want the, the happy things because abortion I think is so terrible that people want to feel good and they need positive uplifting things. Yeah. But as Christians that are trying to fight this consistently with the Bible as our foundation, we need to hear the other side of the coin too, which is what do we need to change? Right. What do we need to fix? What's failed yeah. in terms of our witness in this area? And so I think a lot of people are put off by that. Mm-hmm. But whenever I construct those, I always try to maintain humility in approaching this saying, we're not perfect. Um, you know, we don't have all the answers, but one thing we do have is the word of God. And yeah. that's what needs to be our foundation when we fight this. If someone were to ask me, 
what's the point of this is why mm-hmm. it's trying to bring the pro-life movement back to the Bible. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. In a nutshell. How many hours do you think you've spent? And I'm asking this question for a reason. How many hours do you think you've spent outside preaching at the abortion mill? Well, let's see. It's been about when we first came to Apology at Church, um, Taryn and I, that was the first thing we jumped right into it immediately, the abortion ministry. So we were going, um, you know, twice a week, um, at least four hours at a time. And then since then, I've only increased presence there with multiple days a week. Sometimes we stay even longer than the times that we usually stay. So, I mean, hours, gosh, I've never counted. It's like your part-time job. Yeah, in in addition to this and everything, what we do here, it's it's, it's close to my heart. It's it's near and dear to my heart. God's given it to me specifically, even though I didn't ask for it. He just gave it to me. And so I'm... I'm just like you said, I'm just trying to be faithful with yeah. being there consistently and especially having a presence at our local mill. Cause yeah. it's, I mean, it's literally 10 minutes from here. Yeah. So why, so obviously you think it's important to be out there. Yeah. Why do you think that's so important? I would say because we're essentially the last line of a defense and with women going in there, they are vastly not only unimpeded, from going inside, but encouraged by the opposing side who is giving them solidarity for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And by the, by the opposing side, I mean the pro-choice community, the escorts there to take women inside that, mm-hmm. you know, smile and make them feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they have nothing there in terms of a Christian witness to stop them, but praise God, he's raising up his church all over the country to do that. And all over the world, I should say, and abortion now is becoming global, but mm-hmm. that's, um, that's why it's so important. Um, we say it all the time, Proverbs 24, rescue those being led away to death, hold back those stumbling towards the slaughter. So it is a divine command that we hold back those that are falling towards death, not only the death of their children, but eternal death. Yeah. That place not only steals the lives of babies, but it steals people's souls. Yeah. And they're going in willingly with full knowledge and awareness of what they're doing. Um, and being encouraged, encouraged, Romans one, you know, they give hearty approval to those mm-hmm. who practice them. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why it's so important to be there because, um, you're, you're standing at a place where it's happening less than a couple hundred feet away from you. It's terrible. It's, I, I hate going honestly, yeah. in terms of what the place is, because you know where you are, you know where you stand, but the love of God and love of neighbor is our motivation always to be there. And because of that, you do have moments of, of tremendous beauty. Um, you know, children are saved, um, you know, women turning away. Um, you have the opportunity to talk with someone and engage them with the word of God. And, um, you know, God shows up like John Barrows always says, you know, I show yeah. up, he shows off. That's, yeah. that's essentially what it is. So, yeah. so you've, you've been out there a lot and you've, you've obviously seen, I mean, at this point, hundreds and hundreds of women walk in, I would assume. Oh, yeah. You couldn't even, you couldn't even, you don't, you haven't kept count, obviously. But no. So my question for you is, what do you say? There's kind of this narrative out there that women who have abortions, by and large, are victims. Victims of the the pro-choice narrative, victims of maybe they've been coerced into into going. Um, 
And so you've seen these women going in. What's kind of what's your response to this is the narrative of women that going in, they're not um there's kind of this like not at fault kind of narrative mm-hmm. out there. Like what do you yeah. say to that? Yeah. Well, if if I'm going to be again consistent as a Christian, not only in how I fight, but how I approach this. What's my mindset to be of the person whom I'm speaking to in this who's committing this sin and if I start with what scripture says in Romans chapter two, I know that not only has God made himself evident to all of us by his creation, by the things that he's made, but also within the witness of our consciences. So Romans chapter two says that um, it says, even those who have never heard the law of God. So never heard thou shalt not murder, never heard that commandment before. They know because the work of God's law is written on their hearts Mm -hmm. and their conflicting thoughts, scripture says, either accuses them or excuses them. And there's no greater evidence than being out there and seeing it for yourself. You have women whose conflicting thoughts accuse them. And then that's when you get the hostile viral reaction, you know, the cursing, you know, all the things that we see out there. And then you have the other side, which is uh, their thoughts that are conflicting, excuse them. So that's when you start to hear things like, I know what I'm doing, but God will forgive me. And so that's something they really say. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's wow. one thing I will say about it is it never fails to shock me mm-hmm. when I hear it. Yeah. But I never want to lose that shock yeah. because it's so jarring yeah. that it pulls you out of this false narrative that's been perpetuated. And that's not to say that some women aren't coerced. They very well may be. They Mm -hmm. very well may have a boyfriend. But in terms of coercion, you know, I'm going to break up with you unless you get this abortion is not legitimate legitimate coercion. I mean, coercion, you have, of course, of course, of course, there are a very, very minute um, series of cases in which, um, you know, that may be the case Mm -hmm. or there's a legitimate thing. But I'm telling you right now, the vast majority of women that go in that place are well within their mental faculty to know what they're doing. There's no Mm -hmm. doubt. Um, You know, I've talked with many a professing Christian woman outside of that place. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you right now, not one of them um, was under the impression that what they were doing was killing a clump of cells. Wow. They all knew it was a baby but they could not or did not have the means to support a child Mm. right now. So that's the other thing about why it's so important for Christians to be there offering help too. Um, But the sad thing is part of the narrative that uh, the pro-life movement has become, um, you know, ensnared to is that, well, they just need help. They just need more stuff or they just need more information. Mm. They just knew more about what was inside them. They right. could never do this. And so then I'm sure you, you guys want to ask about it is, you know, well, well, goodness, women who actually see their children on an ultrasound before, mm-hmm. there's right. no way. Mm-hmm. There's no way after seeing that that they could go through right. with this and do something so terrible. Right. And they look at that ultrasound and they go right ahead and kill their child because it's not an issue of more information. Yeah. It's not about ignorance. It's not about any of that. It's about... I should have the right to do this. It's yeah. my choice. It's my body. Mm-hmm. That is what's going on. And if the pro-life movement in America and anywhere else is going to come against this, we need to stop buying into that. Yes, women have been deceived. Mm-hmm. Yes, we've all been deceived mm-hmm. with the media right. and what's being propagated. Yeah. But that doesn't excuse us 
from what's going on because God says we're not victims of our conscience, we're violators of it. Right. So that that's wow. the issue. That's so true. We're not victims of our conscience, we're violators of it. Wow, that's so true. Yeah, if we're going to allow scripture to tell us, then that's the truth. Right. So I that yeah. just like punched me in the face. Yeah. I like had a I had another thought, but then I was like, you guys watch this is why. Yeah. So watch that's this is I'm why. Saying. It's on Apologia Studios. Um I'm just I'm still struggling even as you're explaining it, wrapping my head around why what would be the motivation of the pro-life movement who does largely say that women's women's <laughs> that women are victims in abortion? What would be the motivation? Because like you said, we we acknowledge that yes, there are there are cases where women are coerced into this and we we're not um trying to say that that everything around abortion has always just been this evil woman. Yeah. Um we know that men can pressure women into it. We know we we know all that happens. But what would be the motivating factor for the pro life movement to say that? Yeah. It's 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 an important question. And I think the primary reason is theological. And I don't think anyone really understands what I mean when I say that, but you have to understand that the pro-life movement historically and traditionally has a largely Catholic base, specifically Roman Catholic base. So in talking about this, you have to understand that there's a theological conviction that undergirds um, Rome's theology in terms of uh, mortal and venial sin. Right, so there are certain sins within the Roman Catholic Church that are mortal sins. Right, uh, there there are certain things that can be done that are worthy of being excommunicated from the church. And you can check this out online. There's a list of them, and one of those at the very top, if you go and check check out the list at the very top, is abortion. So, and that's on the top of which list? So it would be on top of yeah. I mean, say you, you go to any Catholic church or, or the website, or you know, I have some that I've looked at doctrinal statements and. There's a list of mortal sins, right? So sins that are worthy of excommunication, you'll see abortion right there, near or at the top. Wow. So where's the disconnect? Yeah. If all these women are getting abortions, then um, what's the deal? Why is the Roman Catholic Church and the majority of the pro-life so unwilling to call this murder, first yeah. of all? Yeah. Um, because um, it's, it's a theological reason. If the woman is a victim and not a murderer, if she's not culpable in she's the act. She's not committing a mortal sin. That's right. Yeah. So in that case, you have this wow. traditional protection. That's deception, man. And yeah. so, and we saw it so clearly when we were in Ireland because unfortunately that um, ideology and methodology of the pro-life movement is being shipped out there. And so they're believing the same thing. So we'd walk up to people and ask them questions and we'd say, is abortion murder? Are women who commit this this act murderers and all of them were agreeing they were saying yes and so we were saying wow this is i mean praise god that you're telling that the they truth can see it yeah this yeah, is yeah. what god calls it and you're agreeing with that praise god and so we were like let's take it a step further so now and this is where it comes off the rails if we're not consistent in our application of justice to the situation is okay so um she's a murderer so um Here's the next question. Are women who get abortions, then are they victims or are they murderers? And every time they would say they're victims. Mm. So it's murder, but she's a victim. 
How? 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 So that's the thing. There's a theological underpinning that informs how they see it, where they go, and then of course the application for justice, which is why the pro-life movement will say things like, "Well, we want the abortionist to stop." Right. But the woman herself is largely a victim in this situation as well. And we've interviewed the top yeah. of the top in terms of the pro-life movement. We were at the National Right to Life Convention yeah. back this last summer. We interviewed... Um, this is yeah. not a fringe group of the pro-life no, movement. No, 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 no. I mean, we're talking about one of the oldest, if not the oldest in the nation. So from the very top, what they're saying is that the woman's a victim and if the woman is a victim, there's nothing to legislate against in terms of yeah. how are you going to hold her accountable? She's a victim. Right. She didn't commit a crime. And what you're telling me is the majority of the women that you speak to outside of the mill are aware of what they're doing. In full awareness. Yeah. In full awareness. Um, I mean, there's there's no doubt. Um, obviously, when we go, we still take things like um, you know the graphic signs that mm -hmm. demonstrate the truth of what's going on here, mm -hmm. right? For anyone passing by, you know, we carry um, you know baby models of children at 12 weeks, right? But we know as Christians that none of those things are going to change a person's heart yeah. or take the murder out of their heart. Yeah, it's only it's actually tougher because it's further condemnation. Right, like we were talking about, we all know what this is. We all know that it's a human being. We all are made in the image of God. We all inherently have this touch of the divine in the yeah. sense that we know God exists. Yeah. We know that the work of his law is written on our hearts. And so it's so clear and yeah. it's the frustrating thing. That's one of the most frustrating things is that people just don't understand that. Yeah. They, they think that there has to be some type of extenuating circumstance. Yeah. There's just, you know, there's an excuse somewhere. They don't know. Maybe they just haven't been shown. Maybe they've been hiding under a rock. Right. They just haven't seen. Well, I think and it's not the case. Right. Yeah. I think there's this fear and it, you see this a lot in Christian churches now, which is that if I don't make this palatable to you, you will turn away. So the way I can get keep you from killing your baby is to like have sympathy and care for you. And I don't want to do anything or say anything that would turn you away yeah. you nailed from it. what I'm saying. You nailed it. That's yeah. that's the, the route that the pro-life movement has largely decided to go. Yeah. Humanism and pragmatism. Whereas if you saw someone who was on their way, you saw someone walking towards an alley and you knew that they were going to rape someone in the alley. Right. You wouldn't sympathize with them. Right. You That's wouldn't right. try. If you saw someone murdering another person, you, you wouldn't. wouldn't be like, you're not guilty. It's fine. I'm sure there was a lot going on in your life. Like, right. You right. would. The first thing you would do is you would attempt to save the life of the person who's being right. hurt. Yes. And then... You'd probably have some strong <laughs> words and actions for the person committing right, right. the sin. Mm -hmm. But you would, your action, to, yeah, towards that person would not be to assume that they're innocent if you saw them committing a murder. <laughs> right. I listened to a podcast this morning that delved into the Kermit Gosnell case. Oh, okay. Um, and if you guys don't know what that is, the spark notes on it was this guy in Philadelphia was performing abortions for 30 years. But not just that, he was, um, I mean, killing women with the unsanitary conditions, with his laziness, with hiring people that weren't really doctors. He kept jars of fetuses' feet. Mm. Um, he just kept them as trophies. Um, he was delivering 
live babies in second and third trimesters, snapping their necks. I mean, it's a horrible, horrible yeah. story. Yeah. And um, this one girl, she was 15 or 16 when she went there and she was 30 weeks along and um, she was giving her testimony and she was saying, you know, she was in tears. Like they basically drugged her, put her under. She was saying, I don't want to do this. Like she changed her mind. She got in the room. I don't want to do this. They drugged her, put her under. She woke up. Her baby's gone. Mm. And she was saying, you know, um, she was just crying, saying, I want, I, it's been years and years and years since this happened. And she's like, I just want my baby. Yeah. Um, and it was just interesting to me listening to this podcast, which was not a Christian podcast. Um, surprise, it was a true crime podcast. Right. Um, and it was interesting to me hearing the testimony of the people talking about all the issues surrounding this. And in one moment, they mentioned that part of the reason that Kermit Gosnell got away with this was because pro-life legislation, pro-life incremental legislation, um, had made it so that there were requirements, you know, condition mm -hmm. requirements, yep. sanitary requirements. And when these new laws were passed, these like sanitary laws were passed that, you know, your facility has to have this and, right. and all of these accoutrements or whatever. Um, and I guess uh, the incremental legislation, pro-life legislation that does that, you know, I guess the hope is it'll make it harder to have an abortion. Well, right. what ended up happening in Philadelphia was Philadelphia, the health department knew that if they started enforcing these codes that the clinics would start right. shutting down. Yeah. Well, they didn't want to shut the clinic down. So they just stopped checking in on the clinics. Right. And so because they stopped checking in on the clinics, that's how Kermit Gosnell was able to become the most prolific serial killer our mm. country's ever right. seen. Right. Yep. Um, businesses well, will find a way. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's just the kind of, like you even mentioned it before, like a mandatory uh, ultrasound. Yep. That's a lot of what uh, incremental Parental legislation, uh, so waiting periods, yep. or like, uh, you know, 15 birth, 15 week birth. Like yep. if you, if it's 15 a weeks, then you can, or yeah. Or heartbeat or partial birth right. or, Partial, yeah. you know. Yep. Um, yeah, that's what all that stuff looks like. And I think the there's an emotional component to the argument, of course, which is that until abortion is legal, is illegal, we are trying to save as many babies every day as we possibly can by putting yeah. these stringent rules, rules, rules. around. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and there is a statistic that I, as far as I know, is a good statistic that would say that women who, who do see their baby in an ultrasound are more likely to not... Abort. Have an abortion. Okay. Um, but so so it's not I I get it. I get that I understand the intention behind that. Yeah. Which is to save save what we can save. Right. Since, since abortion is legal and right. we I guess supposedly can't change that, right. then let's try to save as many as we can. Right. So this is this is where I think our conversation is leading. So I'm just gonna go there. Go, take it. Um <laughs> I get there. I think there is a manipulative emotional argument, which is that if you are against incremental legislation, that you're against saving babies and you like mm -hmm. that those babies that died today without incremental legislation, you like that they died today. Right. They'll, 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 let, they'll let them all die. Right. Answer. Ugh, yeah. that's, that's absolutely not true. That's a that's fallacious argumentation. I don't even want to get into the. That that emotional argument just screams our current culture right now. Yeah. Stay away from those kinds of arguments if you're a Christian. Yeah. We just it's inconsistent. You should. But so that's not the extent of what we're talking about. We no. want to we want to actually tell you why. So yeah. 
the emotional argument's not good, but um, I my big thing that I wanted to talk about, so I'm just going to get to it, is I want you to tell us if incremental legislation keeps abortion legal. The short answer is yes, but I would first start by saying I and all of us here are so grateful for the lives that have been saved right. by it. Yes. So I really want to be sensitive in approaching this from a humble standpoint and say that there are many men and women who have been in this fight for decades longer than me, who have saved lives, who have been fighting um, to, to see this ended, and they genuinely do want to see it ended. They're not just in it for a paycheck. Right, yeah. They're not just in it to have a 100% pro-life record. They, they genuinely right. want to see it ended. So. Those are the people that I would really want to appeal to in this as we talk about making a case for what we would be. We're immediatists. So we believe right. that we, we want abortion to end now. No. That's why it's called end abortion now. And the strategy of the pro-life movement for the last four decades has been electing conservative or Republican pro-life Supreme Court justices that will eventually be so numerous that they'll overturn Roe. Right. That's the strategy. And so everything um, feeds into that strategy and we have to introduce all of these regulatory incremental policies to supplement that because that's our goal. That's where we're headed. So in the meantime, before we get there, we have to put all these policies in place where an abortion clinic needs to have wider hallways. Right. Or it needs right. to be more clean. Then or that's a great way to shut them down. If they can't abide by they the standards, regulation, then they, they have, have to, to shut, shut down. down. Yeah. Shut down or so. So they shut down and then the women have to travel sometimes yeah. up to a day away. Right. Right. And so they have to be there in advance and have a consultation. All these things that have been put into place have saved lives. That's not what anyone right. is saying is yeah. that they have not saved lives. What we're saying as Christians is that. God can strike a straight blow with a crooked stick, but we shouldn't be using crooked sticks to fight abortion Mm. as in any other area because as Christians fighting against abortion, we have to approach this the way God's word does. He doesn't command us to repent of our sin incrementally, and he does not command us to speak into the legislative realm and say, hey, um, can you enact these piecemeal legislations that play around the edges instead of doing what God commands you to do in his word and yeah. protect life and punish evil. Amen. Amen. That's 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 what we're saying. And um, it really, there's so much I could say, but if maybe one thing, there's such a fundamental misunderstanding within the Christian church of um, the roles of church and state. Yeah, no kidding. Every There's so many people that misunderstand that. So there's so many misconceptions that get flung out. Well, are you saying that... Um, you know, the, um, the churches should be the one punishing by the sword. No, I mean, there's different roles or dif- different distinctions. The church is the one that should be bringing the gospel, mercy in, into this area, dealing with things in-house in that realm. And then the state is the one that God, God's servant, that's what Romans 13 says, they're God's deacon. Yeah. Um, they've been put in place to punish evil. Yeah. So that's their realm. But our role is to speak into that realm. Our role is to speak prophetically into that and say, you must obey Jesus and you must obey God's word, not an autonomous standard. And we cannot appeal to 
some neutral starting point. Right. So we can't come into this saying, oh, well, if we propose a consistent Christian piece of legislation or a bill and we call it murder and we talk about it how God talks about it, that's what we won't do because we're afraid if we do that, then we'll be cast out of the public square like right. lepers right. because we're crazies. We're too right. extreme. We're not even reasonable. Yeah, I've heard that. Using God's standard isn't going to work. Right. Do you think right. this is a theocracy? Because people will not find it palatable. Right. right. They will be totally just at the outset. They will be against it. No one will listen and we won't be able to get anything done. We need to take like another sort of route, an around, a circuitous route. Yeah. What do you say to that, Zach? I, I would say um, so many are concerned with having a seat at the table. We, we just want to be that another theology or ideology that comes alongside with our place and then maybe we can be nice enough and soften the language enough to where we can actually get somewhere and have progress. But I would say our role as Christians um, and our position where we've been seated, we're not asking or pleading for a seat at the table. Our king owns the table. That's right. So we're bringing his standard to bear on this entire issue. That's right. Not only in the gospel message that we preach, because let's face it, we don't preach the gospel like this in any other area. We don't say... Bank robbers stop robbing banks unless you abide by a 24-hour waiting period. Right. Uh, right. We don't do that. No. And the critical aspect is a lot of it, a lot of times it's because we don't actually believe abortion is murder. That's right. right. So if we were to believe that first and foundationally, that's right. That would affect the way that we see this and we fight that's against right. it. You know, it's funny because people will say, well, you can't expect unbelievers to act like believers. Well, actually, um, if you look at the Ten Commandments, God says that theft is wrong and we expect thieves to be punished. Yeah. And um, God says that rape is wrong and we expect the government to punish rapists mm -hmm. and we expect the government to punish. Uh, I mean, I mean, uh, how about even adultery? You look at this right. adulterous generation. We still expect the government to hold men accountable through our child support laws. Right. So it's like we everyone's comfortable with all of these laws on the books that actually do legislate morality. But mm -hmm. then when it comes to this, it's like, well, that'll never happen. That'll never work. What's up right. with that? Right. Yeah. You, you can't you can't bring the authority of God's word to bear on an unbeliever because they don't understand what you're saying. Yeah. They don't understand that language that you use where you call it murder and you talk about Jesus and his authority and what they're mm -hmm. commanded to do. Mm -hmm. And I would say, okay, then whom, to whom is the call of repentance in scripture? Right. It's to the unbeliever. To the unbeliever. That's and right. God not only holds individuals accountable for their sin who profess not to know him, but he also holds nations accountable for their sin yes. who are pagans. Yes. Why would God do that if they're not accountable to his standards? Because of what you said, you already pointed to Romans 1. We're all made without excuse. Mm -hmm. And we right. all know. Creation has, we all know exactly. Our consciences, they testify. Right. Absolutely. Right. So we all know and we're responsible. Yeah. We're responsible for these children. We're responsible for what we do. And as Christians, we cannot be content to simply be satisfied with piecemeal legislation that chips away at everything that's why the most recent bans like the one in mississippi the, the 15 week right so many people see that as a victory it's not it's not a it victory. really isn't a victory no. it's well, not it's heartbreaking to say it's okay to kill children as long as they fall under this 
invisible right. line that you've made. Yeah, right. and most abortions take place before 15 weeks. So it's not the that vast we, majority. It's not that we can't say praise God for anybody who's turned away because they've passed 15 weeks. Right. Praise God for that. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. However, most abortions are happening well before that point. Right. Yes. It's yeah. true. If, if you're fam- if you're familiar with the statistics, that's that's when they're when they're happening. The majority happen early. And I'll just say one more thing about that. One of the most powerful moments for me to, to put this all into perspective when we were at the Right to Life convention, a speaker got up. I think he might have been one of the keynote speakers and he was pointing out the statistics on a big old projection screen behind him. And he said, since this time, this is how many children um, have died. Right. Mm-hmm. But this year. Right. He gave this, I mean, an astronomical thing in the millions. Right. And then he said, but this year only xyz million have died and i remember the room just Uh, erupted in applause no and i'm like i had like an rc sprawl moment like what's wrong with you people (laughs) (laughs) you know like yeah why are you cheering that's not a victory guys it really isn't a victory it's not that would be like if we're like you know last year we killed seven million jews Hmm. but this year because of the new laws we implemented for the concentration camps only 5.5 million Jews. Right, yeah. That's that's exactly what we're saying. Right. When it's you not, use those examples, yeah. people are like, oh, you're being extreme, you're being it's too not dramatic. Extreme. It's not Well, and praise God for the lives that were saved. But, Absolutely. So this is where I'd like to go next, which is can abortion be ended without incremental legislation? Yes. So the strategy um, that we're taking, which we believe is not only biblically faithful and that it's immediatist, but it's also consistent with our system of government that was set up. So, and what I mean by that is rather than going the route of waiting for Roe v. Wade to be overturned via Supreme Court justices, which by the way, in case anyone needs reminding, it was conservative justices that gave us Roe Mm. as a large majority. So that's a problem that we have bought into that for so long. And for people, so long. It's been repeated for so long, it's yep. not even questioned. Right. right. So how many right. more children have to die? How many more years have to go by before we'll wake up and see that not only is it unbiblical, unfaithful to our form of government, but it's inconsistent. And so the strategy that we're using is to basically defy the federal government. They have not uttered a law. Roe versus Wade was not a law. And Congress yeah. has made no law, and they're the only ones that can make law in terms of any anything, this issue. So yes. specifically speaking to the issue of abortion. So our role as the people is to a, a gentle resistance at this point to defy the federal government like other states are doing with marijuana and say, okay, how much more the lives of our own children, our unborn children in the womb, standing up and saying no we're not going to stand for this and assert essentially our state sovereignty okay. and our state right. rights. So there are states right now like Ohio that are proposing consistent bills that we're very excited about mm-hmm. that equalize. They, they, they say, of course, what the Bible says, but also what the Constitution says, that no human being shall be deprived of the right of life and due right. process of the law. Right. So they're recognizing the unborn child as having the same rights as everyone else, which mm-hmm. means if you murder that unborn child, there's a penalty for that. Yes. There's penology if you commit this crime yes. because the child is a human being from conception. Amen. Right. So those bills, those kinds of things, we have um, a law on the books right now in Arizona, a statute, mm-hmm. AZ 13-3603, 
that says that anyone who procures um, a miscarriage or induces it via surgical means or chemical means, mm -hmm. there's a penalty right now on the books that's never been changed, but because unfortunately we've adopted the premise of the pro-life movement and we've adopted the premise of really fear mm -hmm. of the federal government mm -hmm. and right. we believe that their word is law because essentially they're the people's gods right now. Yeah, What they say is what people take to the bank. Yes, And so we're trying to essentially defy that and uphold the law, number one, that's already on our books in Arizona, yeah. but really come around and support other states and other people like us who are submitting consistent legislation yeah. with the Bible as their basis. Right. Yeah. Well, and so. yeah, and so the big thing that I'd like to say about, I think the main point, the point that I really, I that I just think is most important is that um, in a, like in a post row world, all of the incremental pro-life legislation will have to be, you'll have to get rid of it. Yes. Yeah. So you're saying if Roe was overturned, so important. right? because of the pro-life movement, there's all this incremental legislation that would actually keep us in trouble in terms yes. of abortion. That's right. So if Roe's ended tomorrow, right? If it's overturned, all the, the 15 week, all the incremental policies that talk about, the, you know, those things basically jump through this hoop and then you can kill your baby. Well, All and I, I will say with the Mississippi law, um, they made a provision in that law that said that if Roe was ever overturned, uh, then all abortion would would it would it would go back essentially to the state law which is already on the books right. which sounds similar to okay. the one you're talking about in Arizona. Well, that's all all it would do with Roe being overturned would be that the states would be allowed to regulate right abortion. And and it's so many states already already like right. Arizona and like yeah. Mississippi say that you cannot yeah. induce yeah. a miscarriage with the intent right. and mm -hmm. all of that. Right. Right. But um as as back to your point um, so that might be the case in this most recent Mississippi law that they mm -hmm. they thought ahead and they made that provision. Right. But there's so many more laws that don't right. have that provision. Well, yeah, right. one of the there's a Colorado right to life president that said pro-lifers. So basically, so after if Roe was overturned, um, pro-lifer, he said pro-lifers will then have to convince a hostile media, the courts and the public that our own laws, our meaning right to life, our own laws were unjust and must be replaced. Mm. We would have to, the pro-life community would have to say, um, we have to get rid of that thing that says you can't abort before Until, 14 weeks, or, right. you know, like yeah. you can't do that. And you'd have to explain, well, why was it right back then? Right. And now it's not right. Right. Yep. Oh, they're they're shooting themselves in the foot. Um, it's it's hard. It's hard to to hear these kinds of things and yeah. and be encouraged because why don't you just be consistent? Yeah. Why don't you just right. step up and yeah. take whatever backlash comes yeah. and call this what God calls it yeah. and fight according to your Christian convictions? Well, and it seems like a lot of pragmatism to me. We've talked about pragmatism right. before, yes. but I don't believe that the the call of scripture is ever pragmatism. Because the call of scripture is you be faithful to God's word and you trust the results to him. Well, and right. know that if someone is hostile towards the message, they're not being hostile. There's the hostility towards you is not a thing. It's yeah. It's hostility towards it's God. Towards God. God. It's not a, yes. Right. That's yeah. That's always what it's about. That's yeah. what you always have to remember if you're ever outside of an abortion clinic, it's not you. Yeah. Right. 
it's they hate God. Yeah. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Yeah. There's none righteous. No, not one. No one seeks for God. They have no fear of God before their eyes. And I would just say, as a to stack on to what you said, pragmatism is greatly unbiblical. Yes. We can't adopt it. No. We can't adopt the, the strategies of the world in how we fight. Correct. The Apostle Paul, it's so important. He says um, in Romans chapter 3, um, if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? By no means, for then how could God judge the world? But if through my lie, God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil? The good may come, as some people slanderously charge us with saying. So there's a principle apparent in Scripture, and obviously there's a context to this, but the principle is we can't lie in order to tell the truth. Right. Just because right. God has an ends of where this is going, all of history, abortion as an enemy is going underneath his feet, he's going to use his church and the proclamation of his gospel, empowered by his spirit to do it, that does not mean that we can adopt an unbiblical premises in the way that we fight, a.k.a. the means of ending abortion. So okay. we can't have unbiblical means just because we know where the ends are. God's yeah. intimately concerned not only with the goal, but the means and how we get there. Absolutely. And so that's why it has to be about Scripture. It has to be about the gospel. It has to be about the biblical worldview. That's, right. that's what needs to inform our pro-life movement. Boom. Bam. I don't want to. That's it. That's it. Zach, you guys, Zach tell, you guys. tell our listeners where they can find This Is Why. Tell them um, where they might even be able to communicate with you, questions they might have, point them to End Abortion Now, do all that stuff. Yeah. I, Zach at endabortionnow.com is my email. Um, sign up your church with End Abortion Now at the website endabortionnow.com. And you'll be hearing from me also This Is Why and those platforms are all in Apologia Studios, but also trying to um, gain some momentum in terms of our End Abortion Now Facebook page. We've had a lot of traffic in the last yeah. week just by being more engaged on there and and pushing this issue, you know, refuting common pro-choice things. Um, so yeah, that's where you can, can get in touch with me and... Um, Thank you guys so much awesome. for, for having me Thanks on. Thanks for coming Appreciate on, man. It. I'm so happy. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. I don't know how to move on from that. <laughs> I know. It was so good. I'm so love happy. Zach. Hey, Taryn. I know you're listening to this. We Shout love out. you too. <laughs> Your husband's awesome. Um, no, but for real, I actually, um, I saw a church up in Vegas that's with end abortion now. Ooh. Yeah. And I have friends who have been like, hey. My church is signing up for an abortion now. Da, 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 da. So seriously, though, go to the website. Check that out. Um, yeah, we were. There's a lot of people that knew Jeff. There were some people that knew Sheologians, uh, people that crazy. knew End Abortion Now. One that's guy crazy. came from Germany wow. to Ireland because he knew that like all the conference and stuff was happening. happening. Aren't you always shocked when somebody's heard of Sheologians? Yeah. <laughs> I'm always like, wait, what? Well, because we, like, we sit in this room and we were basically just talking to a microphone as we would, even if the microphones weren't here. Right. So it's hard to imagine that there is There's a lot of people out listening. there also listening. <laughs> Someone the other day said something to me like, oh, I don't know who they were. And they said something to me on Facebook, like... Uh, something, something, well, you know, like on your show. And I was like, why do you know I have a show? 
Like I got real paranoid right. real quick. Like, what are you talking about? Right. Wait, you've listened to my show? Who are you? Right. <laughs> it's a like a surprise. Like <laughs> we didn't release that to no, the public. I know. It's like, no, of course we did. Yeah. <laughs> I know. We're definite and we're about to hit a million downloads if we haven't already. So I shouldn't be so like right. what? I know. It's weird. I think it's a learning curve, but as long as we just Yeah. Maybe Yeah. If we're still doing that in a year, maybe yeah. we have to think about. This is our 82nd episode. Right. What? Wait, 83rd. I can't count. 83rd. 83rd. It's yeah. our 83rd episode. And we're going to bring Feminist of the Week back, right? We are. I yeah. do have a Feminist of the Week this week. Okay, I'm excited. Um, So I'm not exactly sure who to label the Feminist of the Week. But you said you had a Feminist of the Week. But, well, so in this story, I'm not sure who we are labeling, who's winning the award. Got it. Maybe it's like a tie. Anyway, I'm just going to tell you something I thought was very interesting. Um, So, not sure if you've noticed, and hopefully you haven't, but um, Cosmopolitan (laughs) Magazine has been banned from checkout lines. Yes. Yes, they have. At Walmart, right? Yes, at Walmart. Sorry. Just at Walmart. Yeah, just at Walmart. So, um, I heard about that. The National Center on Sexual Exploitation has been trying to get this removed. They were successful. What center again? Uh, on sexual exploitation. There's a center about sexual exploitation. Yeah, I think there's a center for everything okay, nowadays. clearly. Mm. Um, so they've been fighting to get Cosmopol- Cosmopolitan removed because they their position is that it's uh, pornographic, if not in the cover photo but the words the on wording, the front of it for sure is very yes and then even if you're not willing to label the picture on the cover pornographic it's very objectifying highly sexualized yes um so and it's always at like the kids eye level right yes yeah so their mentality is that um i mean they are they tweeted and said cosmopolitan teaches girls the same messages about female sexuality that playboy teaches boys so I guess okay. their idea behind that argument is that okay. um, they keep Playboy behind the counter. <laughs> Do they really? So I like I don't know about at Walmart, oh. but like if they keep right. If a if an establishment sells pornographic material, it's hidden. They keep it. You have to like be a certain age and yeah. you know okay. in order to buy it. Got it. So they don't just have it out on the shelves. So I guess the mentality here is that like Cosmopolitan should not be just out and available for you to pick up while you're waiting. Yeah. But so, um, I mean, I disagree with them because I think it should all just be gone. Right. Like it should <laughs> d- actually d- just not be made. I don't <laughs> think we need to put it with Playboy. I think both need to. Just cease existing. Right. Okay. Yes. 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 Right. So that's that's the moment where I'm like, I don't know, does um, National Center on Ex- Sexual Exploitation deserve Feminist of the Week or do all the feminists who responded <laughs> deserve feminists of the week? Who what what because were the now cosmopolitan is you know like uh, people so anytime you give a magazine this power or anything this power this power which is that that material is a resource to help women tap into themselves and to their sexuality and be the best most valuable woman that they can be yes so they have heightened the meaning of Cosmopolitan, which let's face it, is a trashy magazine that is basically just slightly more mature 
than the teen magazines you read. So as you get older, you transition. So you can read gossip. So you can read sex tips. So you can take quizzes. So you can... Yes. I don't know. Yes. Um, but so it's been elevated to this like this this piece of literature that is integral to the feminist movement mm-hmm. <laughs> because as we know sexual freedom is a huge part of the feminist movement yes um so there was just some funny tweets that people said in response that i just thought were great okay so um we have so walmart removed cosmopolitan i'd be more impressed if they hired full-time employees instead of two part-time employees just so they don't have to pay benefits also, your in-house <laughs> pizza sucks. Okay. Uh, Walmart okay. removes hypersexualized cosmopolitan magazines from view in its stores as they were too as they were proving too distracting for people buying 12 handguns. Uh, I can't. Here's here's where it really got me. Okay. This is where it like became a little more serious for me. Yep. Dear Walmart. Removing Cosmopolitan magazine from checkout lines at the behest of a Republican censorship organization that hates female sexuality is not a victory for the hashtag MeToo movement. What? It's a severe perversion of it. What does that even mean? So MeToo is something, is a hashtag that was created, as you guys know, yes. if you've listened to this show for any period of time, Yes. Um, that is supposed to create awareness for sexual abuse. Abuse. Correct. Um, so my confusion here is that they're, like speaking of perversion, there's a perversion here of this Me Too right. movement. And I, you know, I'm honestly kind of glad it was tweeted because I think it, um, it bolsters my opinion that the Me Too movement is more than assault awareness right there's an agenda that yeah. is behind it yeah um and so essentially this guy who is a doctor if that means anything um he is he equating the removal of cosmopolitan to an assault I, on women uh, like I, how far does the me too movement go with right. all of the feminist right. what does that even mean stuff yeah that we have going on in our society yeah so it's funny that you brought that up because I read this blog last night by Rebecca Merkel and I wanted to just find a way to bring it in. <laughs> um, and this Good. is a great segue. So she's talking about how um, like women have essentially bought into this idea of liberation that's actually enslaved them um, and made them sadder than ever before right. and feel demeaned more than ever before. And right. The respect for womanhood is gone. And so she said this, and this is this is probably one of my favorite quotes of all time. She said, in talking about the feminist movement and what they want for women, she said, forget a little bump in wages. I think these ladies should swing for the fence and actually demand that a man have to stand up in front of witnesses and promise to love her until he dies, that he has to bestow upon her all his worldly goods, that he has to take care of her children, and that he has to be faithful to her until death or suffer dramatic monetary consequences. Wow. Isn't that the truth? You know, it's like essentially the world tells us that women are liberated when men don't have to do anything to respect, love, or care for them or be committed to them. Right. Like you're free if you can just 
go out and do whatever you want and you can give out sexual favors for free and somehow that is just respect for women but the, right. in the biblical model you have to do men have to stand up in front of witnesses promise to love her until she dies give her all his worldly goods take care of her children be faithful or suffer huge consequences and wouldn't be wouldn't it be amazing if our understanding of respect for women in the world looked right. like that isn't yeah that, is that incredible no i uh i was actually reading and i've been reading so many articles for the shows that we were recording today that i can't even remember which article it is i was like quickly trying to i just had to go through my search find history it. to find that too yeah <laughs> but um but there was i was reading a it was a secular article um and i can't even remember like what the topic of the article was about but it had this it had this really great quote in it that was like a paragraph long so i can't quote it for you directly it'll be have to be a paraphrase yeah and there but there was this one part there was this one part of it that essentially said like when you legitimately care for a man mm -hmm. there is nothing no feminist posturing no reassurance no rationalization that will leave so like what if you care for him and you sleep with him there is nothing that will keep you from feeling discarded if he just ups and leaves when his needs are met like there is nothing what what so it was a not a christian saying uh -huh. basically calling out feminists and saying like when the when you are when you truly care for someone and they use you yeah for their own sexual liberty yeah like there is no feminist posturing mm -hmm. there's no reassurance there's no rationalization yeah. that will help you not feel you're going to be discarded. Hurt. Yeah, you're going to feel discarded, but you're, you're not. It's not going to increase sexual freedom. It's no. going to you're going to feel sexually discarded. Yeah. Yeah. And there is nothing like you can fool us. You can on your Twitter and on your Instagram. Right. Um, but but you have strayed from God's standard. You have uh, left behind the all that he says about what we need in life. You've left behind essentially being made in the image of God when right. you act like an animal yeah. in that way. Well, and then, like you said, you've left behind all the elements of that covenant that right. takes place, which is that a husband love his wife, like Be like faithful. Christ loved his church. Right. Like you are you abandoned yes. that, and when you spit on that, you are going to get hurt. Right. You it's going to feel really horrible and really fine. horrible. Yeah. I don't well, even incredible. know how we. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know segued, either. But, but obviously, we needed to get there. <laughs> we, yeah, but all that to say, um, I'm really glad that Cosmo. I mean, I'm not oh, in yeah. Walmart that often, right. to be completely honest. Yeah. But great. You know what? Yeah. If Cosmo, hopefully, it makes them lose readership, and hopefully, it hurt, you know what I mean. Like, right. I'm all for. I'm. I can be very libertarian in my economic policies, but I don't want that trash. Like right. it's trash. It's garbage. It's yeah. sinful. I hope that they fail. I, and I'm I'm fine with getting with with uh, diminishing the resources of feminism yeah. as yeah. much as possible. Diminishing sinful yeah. enterprises anywhere. I'm right. all for it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey guys, thanks so much for leaving us all your voicemails. By the way, we're gonna get around to answering some of those. We've had some hilarious ones, and you guys are awesome. Keep leaving them. Our phone number is. <laughs> Wait, I have it. Four seven zero. Four seven zero four six five zero four seven five. See, the problem is I put it in my notes like a few weeks ago, 
oh my few episodes ago like and now i'm like such a joke i don't know where it's at <laughs> <laughs> you guys why don't we know i'm where sorry we're the worst number? i'm really sorry about that 470-465-0475 i think i'm right yes i think you're right too and um <laughs> let's just pretend that that's right <laughs> i'm cruella deville and that is our phone number if you want to <laughs> Call, call us, leave a voicemail. We'll get back to you at some point. Maybe we might just FYI, if you leave us a great voicemail, we might play it. We've only played a couple, right? Because they were like really super fantastic. Yeah. Um, but I'm just oh, okay. Yeah, I was right. Four seven zero four six five zero four seven five. All right, guys. Um, yeah, I guess uh, hit us up on Patreon if you love us. Keep us alive. And give us a cup of coffee a month. And we will see you guys next week. See ya.